0: Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. And with me today, I have Dee Hutchins. Dee, thank you for uh, joining us today. Pleasure to be with you, Jim. Awesome. And I'm, I'm really, you know, uh, uh, as we were talking, getting ready for the show, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. But also, I, I love your, your town's claim to fame, because I would have never known that. And uh, uh,
1: so tell us a little bit about it yourself, Dee. Sure, we'll start off with the town. Uh, I live in Hodgeville, Kentucky. I've been here with my wife and uh, we raised two children here, been here about 21 years. And uh, it's the birthplace of Abraham Lincoln. So a lot of people, a lot of different states claim Lincoln like Indiana and Illinois, but uh, he started right here. And so uh, even though it only has two stoplights, uh, it does have some historical significance. But what drew me here 21 years ago was I was uh, traveling around coaching basketball. Anybody that's in the coaching business uh, knows you end up moving a little bit. And so uh, I started off uh, as a uh, college, small college assistant coach, and then moved into high school head coaching. So I coached at three different schools here in Kentucky. And uh, this was my last stop doing that. Well, while I was here, uh, I was let go as the coach back in 2005. And it was kind of a, you know, what you call one of those, you know, (laughs) watershed moments of your life. And that, I had in my mind that I was going to be a coach for a long time. Yeah. What I really wasn't thinking about was maybe, uh, the Lord was preparing me for something, something else, something bigger. And, uh, and in my heart, really, I was more of a teacher slash coach. Uh, you know, I was, wasn't, I was just all coach and I didn't really appreciate my teaching job. I was actually the department chair and I taught AP advanced placement, U S history. And, uh, and, when the coaching was gone, I started looking at some other things, and uh, one thing that happened for me, I became an adjunct professor of history at a small university here in Kentucky, and just did that uh, on the side. And then uh, my brother taught me into getting into business with him, and my brother had been in the storage building business. He sold Amish and Mennonite sheds for several years, mm-hmm. and uh, that led us to start a company called America's Buildings. Uh, we started that in two thousand, in two thousand five, where we basically connected Amish and Mennonite storage builders with Lowe's, which is a fortune 50 company. And we were the middlemen. We would do the training and different things. And so we basically ended up very quickly being in several states and over 300 stores. And so I was doing that. That was my, that was my side gig, uh, my own quote unquote business where I was in control and, you know, big things are going to happen through that. The business is still, uh, viable today. Uh, my brother and I have stepped away from having a major role in the company, but with that said, that was kind of my, my idea at that time about uh, how to really get ahead financially was to own my own business. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but mainly my background, which is what your main question was, uh, I spent, spent most of my life as a uh, teacher slash professor, um, small college, high school basketball coach. So I would say teacher and coach. Um, I'm an elder in a Christian church. I serve on several boards, uh, mission groups, uh, one in Indiana and one here in Kentucky. And, um, like I said, I have a wife, both my children are now out of the house. My daughter is, uh, married, has a little grandbaby now, or we have a grandbaby. And then my, my son is a diver in the United States Navy.
0: Wow. Wow. That reminds me of that movie. What was that movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, that was, uh, that was a, a good movie, but a tough position to be a diver in the, in the, in the Navy. Right.
1: You know, what's funny is uh, that young man, that that uh, person in the movie, was born about 10 minutes where I'm sitting.
0: Really? In Sonora, wow.
1: Yeah, Sonora, Kentucky.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, every time uh, I talk to somebody from Kentucky, I, I spent most of my life not knowing how beautiful Kentucky is in the last probably seven or eight years. Uh, I own a business in Louisville, and then uh, we have a, an office there in Louisville for Create Tailwind. And I'll tell you what, Kentucky is a, a hidden gem. I don't know if uh, all these people from the Northeast and California are moving to Kentucky like they are Florida, but um, hopefully you guys can stay a secret as long as possible.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is pretty here. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of as you say, hidden uh, in the mountains, uh, a lot of uh, natural rock arches and caves, and there's just a lot. A lot of people do come in from uh, Ohio and Indiana and spend a lot of time with an area called the Red River Gorge. Mm. Uh, it's part of the Daniel national forest. And so that area uh, does get over a million visitors a year from that, uh, mainly those two or three States.
0: Wow. So I love that, you know, um, I coached baseball, football, and wrestling for about 20 years. And, and um, I really think that coaching, you know, I, I loved it, man. I, I loved when, when you'd you know, I, we lived in a pretty small town South of Denver And, you know, you'd go to the grocery store and, you know, you'd see kids that you'd coached and, you know, kids would come up to you and they would would come up to me and say, man, I'll tell you what, our practices were so much harder than when I went to the next level or whatever. Uh, So it was like I was prepared for that or or, hey, you know, you you told me that if I didn't learn the plays, I wasn't going to play or something. And you made, you know, whatever it is that you made some change in them and coaching is, I think, one of the most uh, rewarding jobs that you can have there's very few of them that are highly paid rewarding jobs. Right. But with like youth and, you know, high school and whatever sports, but, but when, when you start to say, how do I take those skills and transfer it into the business world? You know, there's that, that leap for you going from being a coach where you're an employee and you're a professor, and this is where your education and your training and your experience—you know—that jump to business owner that had to be that had to be a pretty uh, interesting moment, a lot of interesting prayers and ret- you know inter- introspection to to do that.
1: Well, here's what I would tell you: the the skill set that we learned through teaching and really and mainly coaching i think it's a combination of both i don't see this as through as many teachers as i do through teachers and coaches but the skill set of being able to deal with a, a lot of different people from different socioeconomic backgrounds is a very valuable skill set uh, being able to communicate and deal with people um, and, and it can be and it can be monetized in big ways as you all well know and so when I transitioned into business, uh, going out and dealing with people at the Lowe's stores and things like that, whether it be management or the person on the floor or whatever, uh, was, was pretty easy. Uh, I enjoyed that part. The tough part, the, the, the main lesson that I learned from the starting the Lowe's business was, uh, you know, partnerships. Partnerships can be, uh, can be tough at times. And so we had a, a four-person partnership. It was my brother and I, and then a husband and wife. And we were all friends and still are today. But we ran into a, when, when 2008, 2009 came rolling in and, and sales took a little bit of a decline. Uh, and none of us were using this money to live with. We was all extra. We all had income coming in where we could you know, live normal, normal lives. But we were trying to obviously build it up. And so we started assessing um, the time we were putting in. And we made the determination, my brother and I did, that we could take on a little bit more of the burden, especially the administrative stuff we had hired two people uh, to work for us and they happened to be relatives of the husband and wife. So when it came time to make some business decisions, as far as cutting back maybe their hours and us taking on more of the burden to keep, you know, to make it, to make our time investment worthwhile. uh, They wanted nothing to do with that. Mm. And so it became our, you know, a dilemma. You know, what do we do? I mean, there's, you know, two want to do this and two want to do that. We're partners and we couldn't see eye to eye. This went on for about a year. And so, that was why my brother and I eventually just decided to step back, step away, and allow them to go ahead and continue. And like I said, we, we remained friends. And it was a great lesson as far as partnerships goes.
0: Yeah, that's a, a lesson that you learn, I think, in every business. It doesn't take very long. Um, I think of a business partner that I have. He's an engineer. You know, that's really not the, 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 the details are not my strength. And, and, you know, you could, you know, there's times where he wants to go this way and I want to go this way. And, you know, the, the, to be a good partner, you either have to get to here somewhere in the middle, right. Or you can't be partners. And, um, it's, it's interesting because being in, in partnership with somebody, you're really in a relationship where you're um, you're gonna be challenged at times, just like any relationship. You're gonna have uh, hard times. You're gonna have good times. But you know the 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 you know that that not ma- making sure it's kind of like in in your marriage. You got to make sure that the relationship is never in jeopardy, right? So you can argue, you can disagree, you can you. Know, but as long as you can communicate about it, and sometimes you get your way, and sometimes you you give in. I think that that makes a a good partner. But those are things that you learn also kind of in coaching and sports is not everybody gets to play quarterback or point guard. I'm not, I I don't know that much about basketball, but I I guess, you know, that's the, you know, not everybody gets to be
1: that the main guy on the field, right? Or on the court. That's an awesome point. And, And it goes back to, you know, my brother and I, we were making a decision based on, business and trying to eliminate emotion whereas our partners they were emotionally attached to the people they had hired because they were relatives yeah so they could not they couldn't distinguish so as a coach yeah there's there were times when I had players that I really really liked they were really really good kids yeah they just weren't getting to play as much and it I could not allow my emotions of liking them to put them on the floor and take somebody else's spot that deserved it more it's about you know my job was to win basketball games And so, you know, I always put the best players in the best positions I thought they needed to be in. And, you know, the emotion has to stay out of it.
0: It has to be that way in business, too. But, you know, D, one of the reasons that uh, I coached wrestling and I loved coaching wrestling because you never have to make those decisions is those decisions are made for you. right? Right. If you got two wrestlers and one guy thinks he's better than the other guy and he doesn't think he's, you know that's fine. No problem. We can solve this in less than 10 minutes, right?
1: Exactly. This is,
0: this is going to be solved. There's not going to be a question. And you know what, if, if you think two weeks from now that, uh, you know, that you still aren't getting a fair shake, we'll do it again. Right. And yeah. you just have them wrestle. Some and, of all
1: this, even though I coach basketball, we wrestling was very popular, very, you know, competitive at our school. Yeah. And I have maintained friendships with at least three, former wrestlers from our school really, really respect, uh, you know, that, that experience was very good for them in high school.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, uh, so, uh, again, there's so many things in life that you can take the analogies of sports. And, um, so along the way we read something, we listen to something, there's a sermon at church or something that just sticks with us, right. Or changes the direction of our lives i mean um you know and so tell me there was a book that you read that kind of just changed everything for you well i mean outside of the bible but i mean like uh written by by humans well
1: um yeah actually like i had i I had a professor that asked me to read uh, rich dad poor dad and then it was in probably the i guess later 90s before i actually read it and it kind of made sense, you know, I liked some of the things that was in there. And, that, and then later on, I end up reading uh, the cash flow quadrant. And then in just the people that were around me at that time, kind of that that my understanding of things was starting to sort of uh, move where I say the light bulb was going off for my, myself and then my wife, where we started discussing, hey, you know, the, the way we're playing this game, the way we've been taught to play, um, we're really not winning. You know, we're just kind of getting by. And we were, we were people that, you know, when you, you know, we all compare ourselves to the people around us, but like in this, in our town, our church and things like that, we were some of the more quote unquote, you know, people that had it together. I was just happy pat myself on the back. Cause I was paying my bills. I had no credit card debt and I had, I had a mortgage of course, but you know, compared to most people, we were doing pretty well financially as far as managing what we had, but we were just barely, we were still just treading water. We weren't Mm -hmm. really getting ahead, and we weren't, and really this is biblical, we weren't really taking what we had and and multiplying it, finding ways to take the money or the resources, the time, whatever we have been given, and making more, getting more out of that.
0: Matthew 25, 17, right? We weren't
1: weren't taught that, you know, we just wasn't, it's not something that's taught in school, and I mean, not to, you know, just so... The folks listening know, I mean, uh, even though I'm in Kentucky, I've got this accent, um, you know, it's like, here, I, 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 I've got some experiences. It's like, here, here's what was, you know, I'm going to say this humble, and I'm going to say also about letting people know things I've experienced. I mean, I was in the United States Navy. Uh, I was in there for four years. Uh, I've got graduate hours from Harvard and Clemson. Um, I've been around the block. I've traveled a lot. I've spoken in different parts of the world, places like Thailand. Hong Kong, Tokyo, um, you know, on health stuff. But I'm saying with all these experiences, I was in my early forties before I started really to realize that I'd never been taught properly as far as, you know, taking what I have and doing more with it. And there were people right here in the United States that were doing that successfully and I'd never been exposed to them. And I was really kind of upset about it because I was like, why wasn't I taught these things when I was much younger? And kind of like we were discussing before, with with health, it was kind of the same thing with health. I was interested in taking really good care of myself physically, but I'd never really been taught properly how to drink water, how to sleep, how to exercise, how to eat right. You know, right. I just kind of picked up. As most people do tidbits of information here and there, and it you try to cobble it together in your mind and make the best of it, and you think you're winning. You know, I read this article in Men's Health, and they said to do this, or hey, I read one of my friends has a broker that said to invest in this. And it's like, everybody plays this game of little bitty pieces of of things coming at them. They don't really know exactly how to decipher it. And then they make these decisions and most of the time it ends up not being too good. You know,
0: D, you bring up a great point. one of the things that when I'm just kind of doing an overview, we're talking about money with people and that's kind of what we do every day is, is coaching and educating people on how money really works what's really going on out there, but I use the analogy of Monopoly, right? And Monopoly is a game that's pretty simple game, but we're taught to play it to have fun. And so if we're taught to play it to have fun, normally if you and I were playing with, with some other people, we'd look around the board and see who has the most money on the side of the board. And we think that's who's winning the game, right? Cause that's right. what we were taught. Well, it's all about cash, it's all about the money that you're holding on to that you have, right? And you and you talk about the 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 Bible talking about what are we supposed to do with our money? We're supposed to put our money in motion, and multiply it, not uh, bury it in the dirt, right? And so, which is you know stagnant and it's dying in the dirt. So, and by the way, the dirt can be a bank, it can be in mutual funds or whatever. If it's if it's not moving, it's dying. And so we're taught to play this game the wrong way. And there's only one rule of monopoly that matters. And that's four houses equal a hotel. Because it doesn't matter what properties I own. If I put hotels on those properties, whether it's boardwalk, or whether it's one of the lower end properties, I'm going to bankrupt the other players take their properties, I'm going to win. But they're playing to have fun, I'm playing to win. And in life, there are People that are playing to have fun, which is the 99 point whatever majority, and then there's 1% or less that are playing to win and to break away from that 99% herd and get into the 1% who is actually playing to win, whether it's money, whether it's health, whatever it is. And I want to get under this health thing because I want to know what you discovered because, you know, I, I love that you said, hey, I discovered something or I, I, I studied something. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the cash flow quadrant and and understanding. People can criticize Robert Kiyosaki all day long. But here's the thing is his system and the things that he's talking about work. And in an inflationary environment, which we have, and it's going to get worse, is assets grow with inflation and you're in control reducing our taxes help us win the game and if if our if our thing is we're just chasing a higher rate of return or we're we're um, just saying well everybody else is playing by this game so we're all going down we're all going down together if that's our attitude well we might as well dig a hole and crawl in it because we're done and um, so so I love that what you've done and everything else but I want to talk about because you know we talk a lot about money and breaking away and um uh, it's it's funny because I was riding my bike at five o'clock this morning in the dark down highway 41 anybody that knows Florida like southwest Florida normally you would think you would never ride your bike I would never do it right now at whatever time of morning it is but at five o'clock in the morning there aren't a lot of cars out there right And so, uh, but I was riding my bike thinking, all I need to do is do this every day. And I'm listening to Brian Buffini's podcast. And he said, out of all the people that come into the ER, 90% of them are dehydrated. And I thought, (laughs) what's my wife constantly telling me to do? Drink more water, Jim, drink more water. And, and I'm just never thirsty, you know? And I, I, you know, I'll ask her. Does a, you know, is core's light? I mean, it's basically water, right? Does that? Count? No, I'm, I'm only messing with her. But, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, talk about, talk about that. Talk about breaking away health wise, and and and, you know, I don't think people really think about sleep. My wife's a type one diabetic, and last night at 1.30 in the morning, her alarm on her glucose monitor goes off. Well, when it goes off, then I'm like. She didn't hear it somehow because she's used to the noise, right? And then I'm thinking, is it going to go back up? When's it going to go back up? Is she okay? Can we go back to sleep? And, you know, and everything else. And so that disrupts your sleep a lot. And uh, and it's personally, it's my excuse to go when it's five o'clock in the morning and I go, well, maybe I should just sleep for another 30 minutes instead of working out or going on a bike ride or doing whatever. So talk about that a little bit, Dee.
1: Sure. I'll keep it as uh, concise as I can. And one of the things that I've tried to do with this information that you're talking about, these, by the way, these are the four pillars of health. These are the things that we all have to do or or we're bringing the problems on ourselves. So you just mentioned water and sleep. Uh, The other two would be exercise and nutrition. So water, there's not an exact amount everyone needs, but there's a general consensus I always reference the Mayo clinic. The Mayo clinic recommends nine to 13 cups a day. Nine is a starting point for an adult female. So that's nine times eight would be 72 ounces. 72 ounces is a lot of water. Yeah. As you just said, the ER doctor saying 90% of people that come in are dehydrated. Most Americans are grossly, grossly dehydrated. Okay. So I was around sports most of my life, and I was never taught to drink water properly. People just kind of drank when they felt like it. And I remember my dad saying early, early on, he said, you know, eight glasses a day which is a good actually a good guideline Uh, eight times eight ounces would be 64 ounces if you're getting 64 ounces a day you're doing you're doing very well Uh, but most people are probably getting less than 20 that's kind of been my experience traveling around and and talking to people and so what's the big deal about water well you need it for proper respiration or breathing Uh, you need it for absorption of anything that you eat that's worth anything for your body to absorb it well you need water but the biggest thing is releasing metabolic waste your body has to have, it's like a lubricant, your body has to have the, the lubricant for you to do, uh, obviously urinating, that makes sense logically, or sweating, but but also number two, you know, to, to defecate properly, you have to have water hydration, you know, water is actually goes into the colon and helps you to evacuate yourself. So many people are literally holding on, no pun intended, to things they don't want to hold on to because they just don't hydrate properly. But to get people's attention, I always used to share, and this is what got my attention, there are some side effects that pop up if you don't hydrate properly. Number one is headaches. Mm. Number two is fatigue. So I never would have thought logically that having a headache or being tired had anything to do with water. You know, I thought I had to do maybe sleep. I'm tired, I haven't got enough sleep. Well, no, if many people are walking around in this country, literally, there's, there's probably hundreds of thousands into the millions of people dealing with in this country on a daily, weekly basis, having a headache, or being tired or both, all because no one ever taught them how to drink water properly. And there's really no cost to water. It's very nominal. So, you, know, you can almost say it's like almost like free. That's how cheap it is. And people just don't know how powerful it is. It's a requirement. Sleep is <laughs> uh, and by the way, a lot of people ask everybody wants to lose weight these days. Like, I lose weight. Well, guess what? Water is a major factor in weight. You know, first thing if somebody asked me about losing weight, I said, Well, how much water are you drinking? How are you sleeping? Sleep's a major factor in weight, okay? So the consensus on sleep's much more exact. As adults, we need seven to eight or seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep, you know? Seven to eight or seven to nine. So when I talk to people, many times they're getting five, five and a half hours a night. And so when you're getting less than seven, and the farther away from that you get, or if it's interrupted, um, here's how it can impact your health. Uh, you're more prone to, you would call that chronic lack of sleep, you're just doing it over and over again, chronic lack of sleep. You're more prone to heart attack, heart disease, high blood pressure, stroke, diabetes. It ages your skin. It will kill your sex drive. It will make you function as though you're inebriated. It uh, can cause anxiety and depression. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. One of the great uh, sources uh, when you talk about, it, I know probably a lot of your listeners read, uh, a lady named Ariana Huffington. Uh, she does the Huffington Post, Huffington mm-hmm. and she wrote a lot of books and whether you like her politically or not, it's irrelevant in this, in this particular uh, topic, she fell asleep or not fell asleep, but she fell over in a hotel room and broke her cheek on the corner of a table a few years ago. She was at the doctor being treated for this and she had written an answered questions in her chart and the doctor's looking at her chart and he said, Arianna, you're sleep deprived. He says, I'm reading here where you say you get five hours a night of sleep. She's like, well, you don't have to worry about that. I'm here to get my cheek fixed. And he's like, well, no, you're sleep deprived. That's probably why you fell over and broke your cheek. So she gets treated. Well, she decides she's going to go out and and prove this doctor's wrong. You know, because here's the way she was thinking. I'm highly educated. I'm a world traveler. I rub elbows with some of the smartest people on the planet. And nobody's talking about how to sleep. She thought she could discipline herself, train herself to get by with five hours a night because she had so many things to do. She was just too busy. Well, what she found was we started to do just a little research she found out the doctor was right she was wrong she was sleep deprived and so she wrote a book called the sleep revolution by arina huffington and all it does is discuss what how powerful a good night's sleep is for our overall health now she promotes sleep uh, to her staff and you know anybody that she comes in contact with so here was a highly educated world traveler successful lady that was completely ignorant of how to take care of herself from a sleep standpoint, you know, hmm. then you move to exercise and, you know, I've been around exercise my, you know, been active my whole life, but I didn't know there was kind of a minimum effort to make every week to get the most out of our bodies. It involves really three things. Number one is walking. You know, we need, we're supposed to get, you know, so many steps in and there's not an exact amount, you know, some people say, Oh, 10,000 a day that they came out of Japan. There's nothing necessarily scientific about that, but In in my reading and understanding, it's about three to four miles a day. And that's just throughout the day, we get enough steps to equal that. And what does that do? That lowers your blood pressure and keeps your blood sugar from spiking after meals, two very important things. And so besides that, we're supposed to do some vigorous cardio every week. And the recommendation is about 90 minutes a week for vigorous cardio. It gets your heart rate up. Mm -hmm. And then lastly is resistance training. this is where a lot of people fall down. Uh, resistance mean it could be anything that like a push-up or a sit-up or bands or yoga moves uh weights of course anything causes resistance and what does this do this builds up bone density and this especially as we age you know to avoid things like osteoporosis for example uh just a very important thing so many people don't do any resistance training and then we end up having a lot of problems later on in life because of that so uh, those are the three main areas that we're supposed to be doing, and in resistance training, it's only the minimum is like 30 minutes a week, so it's not a lot. So mm-hmm. That's the minimum effort, and right now, uh, between only about 15 to 20 percent of of Americans are meeting that minimum effort every week. And I talk to people. I, I speak in gyms. My wife and I do CrossFit, but we speak. I speak in gyms and hospitals and things around the country. And when I talk about this, you know, I, I run into people that, well, you know, I'm a runner, you know. And my wife was a runner, and I've i run with my wife some, but you know, like marathons, have marathons, that kind of stuff. But uh, it's like, well, what kind of resistance training are you doing? Well, I uh, not really anything, but but I'm a runner, you know. And they right. got this force gump mentality. They as long as they're running, that just you know their their bodies are going to be just like they want them to be. And you know, there's we're not going to get into running, but I'm saying there's some negative things to running too much, and you're missing out. You're not really doing a kind of a balanced way or a balanced approach to your overall health. And then lastly is nutrition. And that's the most difficult of the four because the first three are basically free and most people stink at those three. Nutrition's worse because it requires a serious investment of money and an effort on your part to know what to buy, how to prepare it, to make sure you're fueling your body with the proper nutrients. And so that's the one that's the most difficult and the one that, you know, I would spend time you know, talking to people and trying to share some ideas. And again, I try to make it as simple as I possibly can. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, convert you into a nutritionist or, you know, a dietitian and like that. Uh, and there's so much noise out there on all these subjects really well, especially exercise and nutrition that, you know, people just have been bamboozled so much that they really don't know what to believe and who to look to. And, and uh, it's not that complicated, what, uh, but so, some people it's, it's a, it's a complicated subject. So
0: you, you, you just said something that I was thinking is, you know, it's kind of like, what do you, you know, if you if you if you, you Google nutrition books, right, you're going to get the keto, the paleo, the, you know, balanced. You're going to get um, um, vegan. You Now there's something vegan. You know, it's like all these different things. Right. And it's and it's like, OK, um, uh, again, my wife being diabetic, she's tried a lot of these different things because she's tr- she eats healthy And she, you know, she eats clean and she eats things that aren't pumped full of uh, chemicals and things like that. But, but it's like, you know, when she did keto, she got down to like 112 pounds, right? It was uh, really skinny for her and um, didn't feel very good. Then, you know, then paleo, then like, like people keep searching and then they go, I don't know what the heck works, you know, so what, what's a book or what, what would you recommend people do to really educate themselves on that?
1: Well, not necessarily a particular book. I would just say this, uh, from a nutrition standpoint, and I've talked to, you know, people with, you know, PhDs and stuff, all, you know, read things. And I would say this in a simple format and you just described it perfectly how people are searching for answers and they'll try this and they'll try that. And and sometimes anything that relates to a diet where you're denying yourself something or cutting something out, like many dots will cut out fats and carbs. Well, you need fats and carbs and protein. So you need to, you need to see the balanced diet. And what I would tell people is, is just eat real food. Right. And sadly, Jim, many people don't know what real food is. They can't really define it many times. I mean, it's fruits and vegetables and greens and grains and nuts and real fish and real chicken and things like that. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to find good quality fish and chicken, uh, beef, things like that, that hasn't been, you know, adulterated, unfortunately, uh, you know, I remember going to Asia and seeing chickens over there that were about this big. You know, and, and, and over here they look like turkeys, and why they look like turkeys? they're pumped full of stuff. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, that's that's the chicken should be about like this. You know, not like this. And it's yeah. like we just get so used to things. I had a friend that came over from from overseas, and he was like, "Man, how do you all?" He said, "You go to the grocery, and all your tomatoes look exactly the same. and All your oranges look exactly the same." He said, the same. He, said and "He said in my country, he said you might have a, a, a tomato that's got a big." you know, growth out the side of it. And he said, they still look good. They're different sizes I mean, everything's, a, you know, we, we've just, we've just made it. It's like a process, food process. And even though we're eating real things, sometimes even some of that has human hands on it in some ways that aren't the best for us, yeah. but eating real food and eating a big variety of it. That's the tough part. Yeah. When I say a variety, I've had people say, eat, you know, uh, 20 to 30 different fruits and vegetables, you know, for example, every day. Right. That's very difficult to do and so you know finding finding ways finding foods and and ways of supplementing and, and giving our bodies the things that it needs is a is a real chore and so yeah. uh, but it's worth it something we, people should everybody should strive for that.
0: Absolutely you know it's funny when you said the thing about the chickens because this is just how my brain works D is <clears throat> we'll go to like fresh market or something and their chickens are like this big like, like, say they're rotisserie chickens or something, they're like this big, right? And I'm like, why would I pay $8 for that? When I go to Costco, and I get a chicken this big for five bucks. And my wife, she will, you know, she, she won't eat the one from Costco. And I'm like, in my head, hey, that's a better bargain. But I know I'm thinking about it wrong. So uh, I'm always just so focused on Am I getting a good deal for my money, you know, and everything. And, and she buys all the organic stuff and everything else. And she just kind of, you know, when she goes to Costco, she'll get me one of those chickens because then I'll, you know, I'll have it for lunch. And then it sits in the refrigerator and I forget about it.
1: Look, look I'm going to give you, let me share one example yeah. about when you talk about breaking away and breaking yeah. away from the mindset and the things we've been taught. We have been we have been bamboozled, fooled, pulled in in so many ways. and it, it's really it, it. If I think about it long enough, I want to bite through nails. Let me give you an example. I've got a holistic doctor friend um, out west, and he was speaking one time. And he's one of these guys. He's in his sixties, you know, re- very fit. But he's one of these guys that tries to you know he's about truth. He's not about you know pumping you full of medications and you know killing killing whatever and moving on. And so he was teaching a subject. He was trying to make a point about how people have been fooled. And he used, he used cholesterol. And he asked a question, he said, how many people here have ever bought some type of of product or food that says low cholesterol? And a lot of the hands went up, you know? Mm. And he said, uh, he said, do you know that cholesterol in foods has absolutely nothing to do with cholesterol in your blood?
0: Mm.
1: Nothing. He said, so going and buying low cholesterol, this or that, it's not going to impact your cholesterol at all. But he goes, guess what does? Sugar. Mm. Sugar does. He said, if you want to lower your cholesterol, lower your sugar intake. Mm. You know, that's, that's tough. But again, we have people marketing things to us, thinking, making us think that we're making these wise decisions when really with just a little bit of research, a little bit of knowledge, we would find out that, hey, we better be more serious about what we're buying, what we're putting in our bodies. And when it comes to health, I mean, here's what I would say for those that are that are you know, struggling with weight or struggling with energy or whatever. If you're going to get yourself lined up health wise, it starts with your mouth. Mm. You can't outrun your fork. So the first thing a lot of people think of is I got to get to the gym. I got to get to working out. Well, you better get control of your fork before you control it or start working to some kind of workout program. I and mean, you can do both at the same time, of course, but working out doesn't give you carte blanche to go out and eat how you want, drink how you want. You've got to get control of your fork. There's no getting around that.
0: That's a great point. Um, That's a great point, D. I feel like we could do uh, a whole whole series of podcasts just on that subject because there's so many people out there, myself included, that, you know, with that last comment that you have, I, I always think when I was really riding my bike and I'd ride like an hour and a half a day, and I'm, you know, I look at the calories I'm burning. I'm like, oh man, I can go have those tacos today. I can go have what, you know. And so I, I definitely fall into that trap. Um, Dee, what are, uh, you know, you you mentioned the uh, cash flow quadrant, and you also uh, mentioned that that uh, you're a leader at your church. So outside the Bible and the cash flow quadrant, what are some books that you would recommend that maybe have made a big difference in your life that you'd recommend everybody read?
1: Uh, one for sure. It's a great starter book for people that are getting into, you know, personal development is, uh, the compound effect by Darren Hardy.
0: Love that book. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, another book that, um, is real similar is the slight edge by Jeff Olson.
0: Yep. yep. Uh, both
1: of those are great books to kind of get people's mindsets to just thinking a little differently about things, maybe how to approach life. And then that just leads into, when you start down that, that journey of, of reading and listening to good words, uh you'll you'll find you know you'll find those people that are out there that uh you know that speak to you know I have a lot of younger uh you know friends and associates today that they they listen to a lot of uh podcasts and things and they have some people in their generation they like listening to that you know when I mentioned somebody like Jim Rohn for example who's who had a big impact on my life even though I never met him he's he's been gone since 2009 but um a lot of the people that they're listening to were influenced by Jim Rohn, but uh, you know they look at, they like listening to things on the go, and uh, many people don't like cracking a book open. But I try to encourage a lot of these younger folks uh, that I talk to, a mentor. Uh, I think it's still important to crack open a book because I was taught to to read the book, but as I'm reading, to underline things that stand out to me. Then when I get done, I go back and I reread all the underlined parts, and then I then I'm taught to take notes on the most important things I think from the underlying parts that I can actually apply. So, you know, I've got books in here on the shelves that I've read, but, but what I've tried to do instead of reading just a lot of books, I've tried to read books and extract things from them and then apply them instead of just saying, Hey, I read, you know, 30 books this year. So those two books are great starter books. You mentioned uh, Robert Kiyosaki, obviously I, you know, rich dad, poor dad's a great book. Um, the business of the 21st century that he wrote, which which kind of, you know, f- with the cash flow quadrant, how my wife and I decided to move from the, the E and the S side over to the, the big business and the investment side was we, you know, we entered through network marketing in the big business side. And then in the investment side, we got into real estate investing. And so, you know, Kiyosaki doesn't do network marketing, but he promotes it. You know, right. he says that people that have very little capital can actually get into a, you know, into a business and get a hold of something that could be very valuable and have a ceiling on it. And my wife and I experienced some great success with that, mainly through sharing the health stuff that I just shared. And then we were able to take some money from that and use it to get into investing in real estate. And, um, you know, our big goal is, is to control time. And when you control time, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, money comes and goes, but time does not. And so being able to control that, that's also a gift you know, from, from our Lord. And, you know, if you can control it, have better, better, a better handle on it, then you can serve and do things when you're called and you're needed to go here or do this or that, uh, you're able to say yes to those things. And so, you know, I don't have a job, uh, and neither does my wife, but we're more, we're busier now than we've ever been.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, another book that I just started, um, um but I think it's a, it's an interesting book, as you said it, um, earlier uh, a couple of times but and this is a book that just came out in january but um it's called chatter the voice in our head why it matters by ethan cross and it's what you tell yourself right and probably you, you mentioned jim Rome and roan and um the uh uh the uh, uh the strangest secret and that to me is the greatest uh Um, recording of all time for personal development because you know it's from the 50s I think it's 30 minutes long we've 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 done podcasts where we just kind of introduce it and then let it go right because it's so important that I want everybody out there to listen to it and um, Nightingale um, just to me that's one of those things that you got to listen to and 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 Ron, he's got some stuff on YouTube so people that weren't exposed to him, like probably you and I were uh, cassette tapes and or at least I was cassette tapes back in, originally, right? Um, and then uh, DVDs and you know all of those things. It's what you're putting in your head. but the, the thing that you also said is uh, it was a consistent theme is the noise out there you got to get away from the noise. I mean, the things that they're telling you how to play the game, whether it's fitness and health or whether it's money or whether it's, you know, um, it's all noise. Telling somebody that every single person should go to college, get a job, work hard. I mean, that's just not it. And I I hope that people are getting, waking up and breaking away and saying, you know, if my skill set is to be an electrician or something like that, Then the progression is to learn how to be the best electrician, then how to be the best business person, then, you know, then expand. And, you know, I mean, I could do all of that. And um, for 33 years, I've been working with people with money. And I would tell you some of my biggest clients, they do not have that the, the formal education or they're not using their formal education in their current business, meaning they're a history major or something like that. And now, by the way, there are a lot of lessons to learn from that. And I'm not telling you don't go and learn those things, but you know, one thing I'm just fascinated by is our access to um, our access to an education. I mean, what you could do for free on the internet, you can learn anything you want to learn for free. Right. And something that somebody told me back to the reading thing. And then, and then I think we're, Where I will wrap up here, D, but um, is, and I love what you said is, and actually the guy that told me this was uh, with Amway. So he was a, he was a network marketer back in the day. And he told me, he said, Jim, read an hour a day. And within six weeks, you'll be a, you'll be an expert on that subject. Right now. I don't know where he got that, but I just started doing it. And it's made all the difference in the world. And I agree with you that system, because I do that. And I've got my, I got my journal that I, I mean, like, I, that's where I take my notes. And I read the book, highlight it, write the other stuff down there. And then, and then when I, I do this thing called a strategy circle, when I do the strategy circle, it's from those notes, you know, um, and then The strategy circle then becomes um, an an implementation plan of whatever subject it is. So, um, you know, I really, uh, and I love your background. I love the things that you're doing. Um, If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, D, is there a way for them to do that easily?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, my email is uh, D-E-E Hutchins, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S at hotmail.com. And my cell number is 270-304-8810. People can reach out to me anytime. If I can help them in any way or add value to them, and maybe they can add value to me as well, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, One thing I would say, and you'll, as a coach, another thing that we learned that is so applicable in life is, is that it's really about mastering the mundane in all areas of our life. Meaning, find the basic things, the actions that will give you, get you success. Uh, and just repeat those over and over again. It's not always exciting, but the results, you know, like my grandfather was a dentist. And I remember when I was in eighth grade, he was filling, you know, I could actually show you fillings he put in here in the late seventies and they're still there. And he, he pointed to a, a poster he had that had some rotten teeth on. It, and he said, you know, if you don't start taking better care of your teeth, it'll look like this. Well, I couldn't relate to that because my teeth didn't look like that right then. I couldn't see yeah. how my teeth could ever look like that, you know, falling off black, all that stuff. And so about a year later, I got a girlfriend. And when I got a girlfriend, I started being more interested in taking care of my teeth. So I started flossing and this, that, and the other. So here's the deal. I've been flossing every night for 40, you know, 40 year plus years now. And it takes about a minute. I don't like to do it, but I like the result. You know, that, that boring one minute action of flossing. So I'm, I got all my, I'm 56. I still have my original teeth. A lot of my friends are running around with mouths full of, you know, dentures. And I got to say, you know, I don't like doing it, but I learned a lesson from that is, and and that that can apply to anything in life, whether it be financial, health, spiritual, relational, whatever, is find the habits that work and then get after them.
0: That's that's great advice. And ignore the noise, because as soon as you start doing that, um, the noise will come to try to knock you off of that because you're on the path to being successful, whether it's, you know, I promise you, if you start praying every morning, there'll be things that'll happen that'll try to distract you from doing that. And um, um, in my belief system, I know where that's coming from. And um, I, you know, you fight it every day, because it's a battle, right? But, but I, I love that it's the mundane things that make the difference. And it's it's really taking the action, whether it's money, whether it's whatever it is that you want to learn, it's just taking action and doing it. I, you think about, I remember the way that that uh, I'm, I'm about, you and I are about the same age. And um, when I was a kid, uh, you know, football started two weeks before um, 2 days right? Uh, in our mate, you know, or we had two weeks of two days. And then, you know, then you were having a game, all, you know, so we never like trained. I, I always lifted weights and did those things. But, but like, you weren't like in that mode. Now people are like doing it every day. And sometimes when I'm out on my bike, I want to listen to a podcast or whatever. And I think, how do people run? But what I learned is that, um, like today, I only had a 30 minute podcast, And then I was trying to reach my phone to find something else to listen to, some praise music or something else, and I couldn't get it out of the pouch because I had a jacket. I forgot I put a jacket on, so it was in my jersey. And um, um, and I I was again in my belief system. I said, "Okay, God, I guess we're gonna just talk then." Then I'm just riding my bike. It's quiet, and uh, and it's like that that uh, moving meditation that's so important too.
1: Yeah. I mean, we should all have a, what I call a start strong program. And, uh, I'm like you, I I wake up and I pray and then I, I read and I usually read 30 minutes in the Bible and 30 minutes in some type of personal development or leadership book. Um, and, but you know, I didn't start off doing that. It, it took me a while to kind of work into that. But, you know, once you start down that journey of, of, you know, personal growth and, and self-education, um, you want more and more of it. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I I would have, somebody told me what I, that I would be doing, what I'm doing now, you know, 15 years ago, I'd have said, you're crazy. Uh, There's no way I could see myself doing what I'm doing. I didn't, wouldn't have understood the value of it. But I remember many years ago, Mark Twain, I heard this quote. He said, uh, he said, I never let school get in the way of my education. Yeah. I didn't understand what that was because as a teacher, as a professor, I'm, I'm providing education. That's where you come get it at school. I had no idea what that meant. Now I know what he meant. Yeah. Uh, Self-education is where it's at, and I've learned more uh, on my own in the last, say, 12 or 13 years, than I did in the previous, you know, 43, and uh, not even close.
0: That's awesome. You know, um, uh, somebody told me one time, uh, they were talking about somebody was having, um, kind of struggling reading their Bible, and, and and their pastor said to them, would you just commit to one thing? Just open your Bible every day and read one word. You know, will, would you just, can you commit to that? I mean, could you at least give God that? And he goes, well, I mean, how could you say no? Right. Yeah, I mean, one word. Right. So, you know, the trick to this wise pastor was you're not going to open your Bible and read one word. Right. And if you, and it's like any other habit, you open it up, you start reading, and, you know, um, it's uh, all of a sudden it becomes a habit. You think, hey, it's first thing in the morning. This is what I do. And uh, so I love that you do that. So I, you know, the, I, I think I could probably talk to you for hours here and, um, you know, people don't listen to podcasts. They tell me for uh, hours, hopefully everybody hung with us, but any famous last words, anything to, to add before we wrap it up?
1: Uh, you know, just, you mentioned, we talked about Jim Rohn. I would just use something that Jim Rohn taught. And that is, he said, you know, work harder on yourself than you do on your job.
0: You know, yeah, instead, I love you, know, it. If you
1: work hard on your job, you can make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. And he's not just talking about financially, he's talking about all areas of your life. And so being somebody that was, you know, had all these different life experiences, no one ever taught me, Jim, how to work on myself. And mm-hmm. when I was pushed to do that, and I was in my, again, I'm in my early 40s, when I was pushed to do that, it changed everything. Yeah, because the blinders came off, I was able to see and understand things that I could not see and understand before. And I, you know, I prayed for years for wisdom, but I wasn't working to get it. Right, that's something you got to get. You know, you can pray for great health, but you have to work to get it. Yeah, you you can pray for unwavering faith, but you have to work to be work being a disciple. You know, you have to work on these things. And so, the wisdom part, I was asking for it, but I wasn't working on it. And so, that was really an answered prayer when somebody came into my life and really pushed me to work on myself. And as I said, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but um, I wish that I'd been taught this stuff at an earlier point in my life. Yeah. I just, and yeah. That's why I spend some of my time, you know, trying to get around as many young people as I can. And my wife and I do a couples group at church. And we just try to, we try to share some of these things with people um, and try to get them on that path before, uh, you know, too much time goes by.
0: That's, no, that's awesome. That's great. And I, I love that young people are willing to do things differently. That's what I find um, is they've been taught one thing about money or one thing about, you know, other things and, and um, they're willing to do something different and they don't have this 40 year plan that we were taught of, you know, saving money, building up some retirement account that's controlled by the government and then, you know, uh, stop working and hope that you don't run out of money young people aren't doing that young people are saying that eh, you know that doesn't sound like a great plan to me and we were sold that plan I, I honestly never bought into that plan uh after about my early 30s and thank goodness I uh shifted that but Dee, thank you so much for being on the show I really enjoyed it and uh um I'm, I'm excited this is going to come out really quickly here so um um uh thank you so much for your time
1: Hey, my pleasure. And uh, it's been good to get to know you a little bit. And uh, maybe uh, we can do this again soon. Absolutely. All right,
0: Breakaway Wealth. Until next time, if you're not, if you haven't broken away, you're part of the herd and nothing good happens in the herd.
1: Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.